0: One of the things about uh, the Northwest uh, that's a little different than uh, the, the, maybe the Bible Belt or the places where I grew up and is that, uh, well, especially in the summer, but really all the time, but especially in the summer, I mean, if you are at church, I mean, you really want to be there. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I just know that about you today. You really want to be here. Uh, there's not a lot of obligation, you know? I mean... Um, and there's good and bad in that. I mean, there's some discipline that would be good to have when it comes to going to church, right? But, I mean, that's not such a bad thing back back in the Bible Belt that there's some discipline about it. But with that discipline sometimes comes a, a church full of people that aren't really wanting to be there. And so we don't have that here. So it's a double-edged sword um, in terms of attendance and things like that. But one thing you can know is that everybody that's here wants to be here. And that's that is a good thing. So... All right, take a look at this uh, vision graphic on the screen, and the next couple of weeks here in the summer is a good time to do this, Uh, typically don't have as many guests and stuff in the summer, so it's kind of just us, if you will, and so the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking about our vision, Uh, and and of course it'd be great for any guests to hear too, but at any rate, it's going to be a little bit different two weeks than the normal preaching that I do. Uh, We just need to take a moment and remember who we are a little bit, and where we're going, and... and, um, and, and just understand where where we want to go together because otherwise I might try to get there myself because I know this like the back of my hand because my son was resu- remembering me today. You, you, you know, Dad, you, you feel like you've said all this a lot, but it's kind of like that song that, you know, you, you, you do it about two or three weeks in a row and the band is sick to death of it already, but most people are just starting to catch on, right? And so we need to go over this every now and then, even though uh, I feel like I've, I've said it a lot. So... Today, we're actually going to look at the the values. So just that little part of that where it says values and then the the values below it, uh, we will kind of cover the rest of it next week, just kind of run through it. So today, though, we're going to talk about our core values. You may or may not be aware um, of the fact that every person, every organization automatically holds to certain values that really drive what they do. Everyone has core values, whether they realize, uh, realize it. Or not. There's a reason for what, why, and uh, how people do things. There are certain values at the core of every person. These values are developed mostly by experience, and therefore they vary by experience. This is part of what makes everyone different. Our values often determine our point of view. Because of this, as sort of an example of why this is important, I'll throw out in marriage. When two people want to get married one of the most important things uh, that needs to happen is that they need to identify their core values and discuss them with each other. We, we all have many values, but I would say core values are those that are not likely to change. Okay? We are not talking about preferences or, or passing opinions, but values that rest at the core of what made that person who they are today. Core values generally do not change. This is why agreement, or at least um, understanding and acceptance of another person's core values is necessary if any two people are going to walk in a close relationship. And certainly that's true in the case of marriage. Maybe you have a core value that children need to be disciplined and that uh, obedience is not optional because you were raised that way and you honestly think that the lack thereof is what is wrong with the world today. But your spouse strongly feels children should be allowed to go their own way and, and basically should never be um, corrected, and he, he or she thinks that discipline basically ruins a kid. Those core values are in direct opposition, uh, and at that point, you are simply not compatible for marriage. Now, what happens if you find out that about that contrariety of core values three years into the marriage? You know? Perhaps it would have been better to discover and discuss your core values ahead of time. This applies to church membership as well, or really any commitment to a relationship with people. If you know what to expect going in, certain landmines can be avoided. If you understand the core values of Go Church, you can make a more informed decision about whether or not to commit yourself to this church family. Or if you are already committed, you can remember what it is, what, what is at the core of wh- what we do and who we are and, 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 and how we do it and who we're becoming. Sometimes it is also important to notice what is not a core value. For instance, tradition is not a core value at Go Church. That's a fine value for some churches, but it's just not one of ours. Neither is ceremony or formality or religiosity or entertainment. Actually, this is also clarified by the fact that authenticity is one of our core values. And that means keeping it real and relevant. Also note that some values are not listed because they should be obvious for a church or simply because they're not the things that drove us to plant this church. In other words, our core values form the uniqueness of our identity. The core of who, what, and why we want to become what we want to become. Values drive the vision. If we do not value the things that will bring God's vision to fruition, this train will always be jumping the tracks. Our core values then are designed to give you specific, practical, non-theoretical principles, or promises really, in terms of the bedrock commitments of Go Church. Core values tell you up front what we're going to be all about. Let me put it this way. The primary purpose of written core values is to clarify expectations. To clarify expectations. So to that end, let's get into our core values one at a time. Number one, we value transformation. Transformation. The New Testament Greek word for this concept is metamorpho. Obviously, this word was a precursor to our word, metamorphosis. You know, picture that caterpillar becoming a butterfly. This word is used three times in the Bible, just three times. Most translations translate the word transformation two of those times and transfiguration the other time. You may know about the transfiguration of Christ where Jesus was transfigured into light in front of Peter, James, and John. That's metamorpho in the Greek. Another time, Paul used the word to describe what happened to the face of Moses when he had been with God, reminding us that his face would shine so bright they had to cover it with a veil. Paul goes on to say we should shine God's light in that same way. Now, the other time, the third time this word is used, It does not mention light, but keep in mind as we read this that it's the same exact word used to describe both the shining face of Moses and the transfiguration of Christ. So that third time is in Romans 12, where Paul writes to the church, "...therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship." And do not be conformed to this world, but here it is, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Look at the underlined words, be transformed. And note that this could just as easily read, be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Based on the other two references I mentioned, the implication is that the light of God shines from our faces. And our lives. Now, remember what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount that we are to shine the light of God like a city on a hill. He was talking to the church. His church, he was picturing his church in the future, that it would be like a city on the hill shining his light. In other words, his followers, his people. See, this is the kind of transformation that we're talking about to be a church that is transformed or transfigured by God in such a way that his light shines out of us in our community bringing glory to God. This biblical word translated as transformation or transfiguration means to be changed so dramatically on the inside that the light of God comes bursting out of your life. In other words, this transformation comes from within, but it also radiates without. Notice also from verse 2, That being transformed is catalyzed in some way by a decision not to be conformed to this world. Listen, there's no transformation in conforming to the world. You cannot conform to the world and be transformed at the same time. Transformed people do not conform to the world. On the other hand, think about what happens if you stop with a statement about not conforming to the world. If, if you were to simply decide not to conform, even if you were to succeed, you would find yourself just another one of those legalistic church people, not really shining the light of Jesus as much as you're just trying to look better than everyone else. See, there's part of transformation that's a decision to be different, to not conform, to be changed. But it is extremely important to remember that God is the one who actually does the changing. He is the one who transforms you, and he does so to the degree that you surrender to his influence in your life rather than conforming to the influences of the world. Notice also in verse 2 that we receive this transformation from God by the renewing of our minds. To renew your mind is to allow the truth of God to serve as an antidote against the poisonous lies of the world And oh my, is this world full of lies. Not only that, but most of us have believed some of them. This is why we need constant mental renewal from God. We need input from God to be going into our minds so that we might be transformed. Spiritual transformation has been called many things. Theologically, we call it sanctification. Practically, we might call it growth or purity, or maturity, or even discipleship. Regardless, the point is that at Go Church, we want to see changed lives. We don't want what we can get solely from human effort, but neither do we want what we get without human effort, as in some church where there's no call to repent, no call to change, no challenge to come out of the world and to walk with Jesus in His ways. Instead, if transformation were automatic or instantaneous, why would we even need a church? Listen, what we want to do here is is to engage together with God in such a way as to be radically changed to be more like Christ. That's what we're here for. Shining the light of God more and more through our lives. Practically, this fits into different ministry contexts in different ways. Let's consider our vibrant, growing, and exciting youth ministry led by James Heberling for a moment. In fact, I want to just show you a short video, just a window into our, our youth ministry. Right, and they made that to, to promote the camp out. But I just wanted you to see that we actually, I mean, you know, because you come to church on Sunday morning, you don't necessarily see that. I wanted you to see that. Um, it's awesome. And... Um, You know, in in the context of this point, James and his team are not interested in just keeping kids out of trouble for a couple hours on Wednesday nights, right? Uh, They are interested in seeing kids be transformed by Jesus. That's what they're about because it's a core value, and James understands that. Let me tell you something. God is doing this here. God is transforming lives. I I, I think that we need to figure out a way to have some some testimonies, Uh, probably use video we just haven't got around to it. But for now, just let me tell you, there, there are some amazing ways that God is getting a hold of people and changing lives. God is in this church. He is here. He's working. Because he's here, there is only one way you're going to stay the same. And that is by not showing up. That would do it. But I'm so convinced that God is in this and that God is with us and moving among us that I don't know if you can be here consistently and not be growing. I'm not sure you could show up consistently and not be transformed. Yes, being here in this service where the church assembles on the Lord's day matters. It matters a ton. In fact, that's what the word church means in the Greek. Ekklesia, assembly. By the way that's just as true for young people as it is for older people we draw the line at sixth grade from sixth grade on up you need to be in here worshiping god with the church assembled otherwise when you hit college you won't understand why church is no longer segregated groups sorted by age and you'll be looking for the games and the prizes and the snacks Teenagers won't know what a worship service even looks like if they only ever have their own thing. They need to be here. If youth group is the only church a kid has ever known, he or she will likely fall away from the church entirely when they hit college. We need as many of our young people here as possible to attend this service, and I believe that is. I do believe that's what's best for them. I know there's some other churches around here that have uh, youth programs on Sunday morning, and they don't have them come into the service. That's just not what we're going to do here because of philosophical reasons. Um, so, you know, I mean, these messages, uh, they, they don't just write themselves. They involve countless hours of work, and uh, our kids need to hear it, too. I will just say this. I think, I don't know for sure, and I'm not going to put them on the spot, but we're... My son and my daughter that grew up in the church uh, hearing me preach, uh, and guess what? They had to be there every Sunday, right, because they're my kids. and uh, They both have, uh, Connor's almost finished with his Bible degree, and my daughter has their Bible degree already. I won't put them on the spot, but I, I think they would at least equate the amount that they've learned. Uh, they, would, they might come close to equating how much they learned by listening to sermons every Sunday over the last, you know, all of their teenage years to what they learned in Bible College. He's nodding. So, uh, thank you, Connor. Thank you for (laughs) saying that. Uh, I I just know they wouldn't be who they are. Is that is that right, Connor? What else you gonna say? Right? It's it's true though. Well, if the way that they quote my sermons back to me when I need correcting is any indication, I mean they learned a lot. So, all right, let's move on to uh, the second core value. Number two, we value excellence. We value excellence. Another way to say this is we want to win. I want to win. (laughs) Any nacho fans out there? We do. We want to win. We want to win for the glory of God and to better accomplish His purposes. There are many passages that would spur us on to excellence, but let's just look at Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, not that I have already obtained it, the prize, or have already become perfect. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Still talking about the prize. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude and if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. There's a lot of things that we could unpack from that passage. I could spend a lot of time explaining things like where it says perfect, really, we, he means that we're complete, saved, justified, and different things that we could try to unravel there. But I'm going to stay on, on point for today. And, and I just want to, to, to get you to see that really it boils down... One well, of the main things this boils down to, really, is doing things with excellence. It's, it's straining to win the race. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul calls for our absolute best. Straining forward, he says, reaching forward. And that's a, that's a word picture there that has to do with breaking the tape. He's picturing a race, and he's talking about breaking the tape to try to win. Not to just take second place or just try to finish it, but to win it. Why? Because the standard which Christ has attained for me, is a winning standard. In fact, his is a perfect standard. And so to do anything less or to think it is okay to strive for less is to be one who needs enlightenment. If you you see there, that's basically what he says. As Paul puts it, such a one needs God to give him or her an attitude adjustment. Look at verse 15. In a rare moment of diplomacy, Paul doesn't say, such a one is headed straight for hell. No, he's a little more diplomatic this time. Uh, He says, if you don't think you should be giving your absolute best for his cause, don't worry, God will eventually straighten out your bad attitude. That's what he says in verse 15. Now, just focus on the last sentence. Let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. He's talking about the standard Jesus set for us. He set the standard for his church and that standard is excellence, not just whatever we can get by with or whatever we we think should be okay since say hey, we're, we're we're just volunteers. Newsflash, Jesus was a volunteer too. And I could do a whole sermon on why we should do everything with excellence. But assuming you don't need that case to be made any further, let me move on to some application because since we do things with excellence at Go Church, we need your help. We need another sound engineer. We need more people on our setup and teardown crew, particularly those who might use their truck uh, once a month or so and be on a rotation to get the trailer. Why? Because I'm sick of doing it myself. Okay, can I just be honest? <laughs> we really because I want you to get involved, but there's some of both. Uh, we, we need more quality people to serve in children's ministry. I suppose if we just threw all the kids in one room with a couple of people and just let them, I don't know, sing Kumbaya for an hour, uh, we could get by with less workers uh, and leaders. But we try to do things right. We do things with excellence. Most weeks there are eight to ten adults or youth back there serving. Just just adults that are helping So we need more volunteers so that they don't have to do it as often. After uh, Pastor Tully gets here and gets settled, we will begin training share group leaders. And we'll be looking at launching share groups as soon as possible. Maybe you'd want to be a leader or host, host a group in your home. Start thinking about that. But also know that because we value excellence, it may take a while to get this thing going. We want to do this right. I found that everything has taken longer than I thought it would, which is really pretty ridiculous considering all that we already have going after nine months of existence. Uh, sometimes I shoot for the stars, but sometimes excellence means waiting. So yes, share groups are, are, are coming, but I don't know, one time I said we're starting in the fall. What well, we're probably going to start in the fall is training group leaders, okay? So be patient because we don't just just throw caution to the wind and just blah, and it's just blah. We want to do things with excellence. Now, if you want to help us be excellent, which takes a lot of manpower, use your connection card or email the appropriate person to let us know how you can help. Immediate needs our children's ministry and trailer duty. Let's move on to the third core value. Number three, we value authenticity. This core value has a certain parity with the previous one, excellence. See, when I talk about excellence, the last thing I mean is a show, okay? Authenticity means there isn't the slightest hint of fake. I hate fake with a passion. Sometimes that gets me in trouble. I don't fake emotions. What you see is what you get, and sometimes that means I'm not smiling. I'm not trying to excuse myself from any kind of effort to be a nice person, but I, I just want to be clear that fake it till you make it is a banned phrase at Go Church. We, just, we don't do that. I don't want any of us playing a part. I would rather have us confessing our sins to each other in the right context than trying to act better than we are. I'd rather someone step down from leadership than to keep leading from a place of sin and rebellion. I would rather us know each other And find that we need to forgive each other and make allowance for each other and work through conflicts than to keep it shallow and always peaceful. I would rather us learn to speak the truth in love. And here's one to remember I'd rather be real and rough around the edges than fake and false at the core. I'd rather be real and rough around the edges than fake and false. At the core. There's so many verses of scripture we could use to support this value, but let's just look at 1 John 1 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How much of that kind of thing goes on in the modern church, do you think? Too much. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Most of you might need a reminder this couple who were part of the early church, pretended to give a large offering and were deceitful in such a way as to look better than they were to the pastors and others leaders in the church. And to cut to the chase, God struck them dead on the spot. And they drug their bodies out of the church service. I'm smiling. I didn't know them. mean I don't mean to be insensitive. It was a while back. But after that, the early church got real, real fast. Let's hope God doesn't have to strike someone dead around here for us to make sure our faith is authentic. I'd rather be real and rough around the edges than fake and false at the core. I heard a pastor say once that he overheard someone in his community, be, you know, bad his church. The guy said, oh, that's a church full of screw-ups. The pastor said at first he experienced a twinge of anger, but then he realized just what a compliment that really was. I'm here to tell you that if we are not a church of screw-ups, we are either faking people out or we're not reaching the lost sheep of our community because people don't change overnight and none of us are perfect. Now, I'm not saying that we are all screw-ups all the time. That's really kind of disingenuous, too. Of course, compared to Jesus, we are all screwed up. So let's be real that some of us are more mature than others. We're not all the same all the time. To say that everyone is just a monster and nobody should look up to anyone else or, or, or be inspired by anyone else is just bogus nonsense. I hate that kind of fatalism. I hope I'm, better, I hope I'm a better man today than I was five years ago, closer to Jesus, so no, I'm not saying that we're all at the same level of debauchery all the time or that we should just throw up our hands and just just be bad people together. But the fact is, if Go Church does what it's supposed to do, we're going to have people hanging around who are at all levels of sinfulness. And don't try to tell me there are not levels because it's just ridiculous. God wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. He did not wipe out every other city on earth. Some people are more screwed up than others at different times. That's the truth. Sometimes I'm more screwed up than other times. Be real. But the point is that most, the most screwed up people in Ridgefield are going to be welcome to come hear the gospel at our church. And some of them might even start to be associated with our church. And, and somebody out there will say, that's a church full of screw ups. And we ought to wear that badge with honor. He was a friend of sinners, remember? Am I saying I won't preach the Bible or call out sin? No. Am I saying that a committed member of the church or a leader um, will be allowed to continue in shameful lifestyles of sin with no accountability? No. See, that's the other side of authenticity. I'm not saying we don't do anything to work on each other or help each other, but in the process, people will uh, attend and participate who are authentically messed up. And that is going to be okay. Because of love, we'll talk about next week. That's our why. Number four, we value multiplication. Multiplication. For this one, we could simply read the entire book of Acts. Uh, But here is one verse to sum it up. Acts 12, 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. What did Luke really mean by the word of the Lord in this context? He meant that the gospel, the good news about Jesus and salvation being available, was spreading. And as he says, multiplying, which is a reference to the fact that this was not just a one-to-one-to-one kind of thing, but a one-to-two-to-four-to-sixteen-to, anyone? 256. That's what comes after 16 in that sequence, through multiplication. Luke was referring to growth by multiplication, which means that it is exponential. And, of course, after 256, it gets really crazy. We know that as the gospel spread, the result was that new disciples were being made in new places, and therefore new churches were being planted, which means that those new churches were becoming outposts to spread the word even further by planting more churches. If you can just picture one of those maps like you see in all those cataclysmic uh, movies like about a virus spreading across the world, you know. And and think about how it begins by going from one person to one other person, and then it just gets exponential. Just picture that, only we're talking about something good instead of something bad. We're talking about the gospel and churches uh, rather than some kind of weaponized virus. Multiplication is powerful. In 1983, a physicist named Lorne Whitehead published an article in a prominent scientific journal about the domino effect, the domino effect. His breakthrough was not what you are picturing where a row of identical dominoes falls after you start the first one. I know that 1983 sounds like a long time to some of you, but rest assured, when I was 13 years old, they already knew about how to line up dominoes. And watch them fall. Amazing, I know. In nineteen eighty-three, they already knew that. So that wasn't his study. Whitehead actually discovered that one domino is able to knock over another domino that is one and a half times bigger than itself. Aha. What this winds up meaning is astounding. Since each domino can knock over a domino 1.5 times its size, if you keep increasing by that rate, that means that by the 18th domino, you could finish off the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The 23rd domino could take out the Eiffel Tower, and the 28th domino could topple the Empire State Building. This is the power of multiplication, and in this example, we're only talking about a factor of 1.5. Applied to making disciples, or better yet, planting disciple-making churches, since we can't really talk about half a person or half a church, we'd need to talk about a factor of two. So what happens if we plant two churches, and they plant two churches who plant two churches each? We now have 15 churches. After that, the math goes absolutely berserk. Most of you know Go Church planted pregnant in more ways than one, actually, We have several babies out there that were still in the womb when we were meeting as a core group, but that's not the way that I mean. We are already planning and working towards planting another church, even though we're only nine months old ourselves. We'll be planting another church in Woodland, and we have a planter already coming. He's already uh, got some funding and everything and ready to go. Uh, He has needed to delay it. Um, I haven't mentioned it, but we had tried and hoped it would be a little sooner, but it is still going to happen likely January or at the latest May, they'll be coming. Now that doesn't mean that's when we're going to launch that other church. It just means they're going to get here and start to work. Could be a year from that, nine months to a year from that before they actually launch and they'll work with us. And then hopefully a group will go out from us. Plus they'll reach people there and they'll wind up with a core group so they can plant another church. That's in the plan, that is in the design, that is in our core values, multiplication. I already have in mind the one after that, and I'm working on it. I'm currently looking for a planter for that, but I'll say the details and still probably change anyway. The point is that we will be a church that plants churches who plant churches, multiplication. There's a way to multiply. We will look at doing it. My big picture dream is that Go Church will have a hand in perhaps hundreds of church plants in the Northwest. Uh, over the next several decades. There's going to be a large family of churches in what I'm calling the Go Church Family Network, and uh, there's a plan for that that I can tell you about sometime if you're interested. Multiplication. Now, let me back up just a little bit. How does a commitment to multiplication affect what we do uh, and how we do it right here at Go Church Ridgefield? Well, the alternative to multiplication is addition. And understand that generally you do things one way if you want to add, and you do things a wa- different way if you want to multiply. I don't want to just add to Go Church. I don't want to simply get bigger. Why? Because multiplication is always better than addition. What if Go Church wound up a megachurch? Meaning we have 3,000-plus people, probably a $20 million budget, and, say, 40 staff members. First of all, at that point, I can't imagine that I would still be the pastor. Uh, that's just not me that's not my vision, but consider the alternative. What if we have Go Church Woodland and Go Church Cascade Park and Go Church Salem and Chehalis and, and a couple of Go glaciers around, and each of them has two plants each, and some of those have a plant, and what if that's just in the next 10 years? You can do the math if you want, but I can tell you the impact of this that situation compared to making one church bigger and bigger is exponentially greater. And someone might say, but what if we do all that? Wow, interesting. I just got a blank screen. Technology, you almost got me off the rails, and that can be interesting. It's back. What if we do all that and get bigger? Well, I'm not going to send anyone home, uh, but I do hope to send them out. I consider the ultimate in discipleship to be getting to the point where you help plant a church. That's like the ultimate. That's just where, you know, if if we were just a goal for people would be getting to that point. They were ready to go out and do that. I know, you know, that some people think they would never do that, but there were some of those on our core group, and here we are. We planted this church, so you never know. I'm telling you up front that I would rather send people out than keep people in. Now, I don't want to lose people for the wrong reasons, but if it's sending them out to multiply, uh, that is a, that's something we celebrate here. We'll measure our success by our output, not our input. By the way, if you think doing this things, this, things this way won't mean fighting some battles, you are not well enough acquainted with the human condition. I mean, even internally, I'll be fighting battles, right? What happens when we finally uh, reach the so-called 200 barrier and we only to send out 50 uh, to plant a church somewhere? That's when it will be good that we have this core value written down. Now, I also believe Go Church will multiply in many other ways. To say that multiplication is a core value is not only to say that we'll plant churches. Multiplication applies on a micro level, not just a macro level. Share groups, discipleship groups, we hope, will multiply. The more groups, the better. I'd love to see the band and the AV ministry multiply so that we can actually help, you know, get other churches started by sending a couple of guys out because we have enough here. Those kinds of things. Children's ministry, that it's, it's multiplying so much that, that we become uh, something, that, that other, a model that other people want to learn from. That's multiplication. That's reproduction. That's the kind of things we want to see happen. This church is going to be about multiplication if it kills me. And it might, it just might. But, I mean, what a great way to go. I mean, that's a good way. I'm, I'm, let's do that. Number five, we value Scripture. Seems like a no-brainer, right, for a church, only, that, only it isn't. It's, it isn't anymore for so many. The church at large is less and less committed to Scripture. At Go Church, we're not just committed to Scripture. It actually made our top five commitments list. There's nothing more important than saturating every single thing we do with Scripture. Why? Because Scripture is what God has said. You get that? Scripture is God speaking. The Apostle Peter writes, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Someone told me you can only have one core value, this would be the one I would choose. Why? Because every other core value comes from where? Scripture. We'll be a people of the book. I don't plan to ever try to convince you of anything or lead you to do anything that isn't coming from the Bible. And I pass that on to leaders, too. If you're leading a ministry here, I hope that's true for you. Base things on Scripture, don't lead your ministry from your own opinion but from, from what the Scripture says. It's the core value anchoring every level of everything that we ever do as a church. Where does this value matter most? I would say it matters most when it comes to the preaching. That is the public proclamation of the Word of God in a corporate setting when the church assembles. One thing I have no problem promising you is that the preaching that happens in this church will be the preaching of the Word of God. These, sermons, these two sermons are a little bit unique, uh, but even still, Uh, Hopefully you can see that it's all based on, on the Bible. I really don't ever want to teach anything other than the Bible at Go Church. Everything we do rests on the foundation of Scripture, the king of our core values. That it would have been the last one, except somehow, miraculously, it appears that an acrostic has been formed. And somehow, coincidentally, that acrostic constitutes a bit of a bonus core value. So number six, we value teams. Teams. You you get it, right? I mean, transformation, excellence, authenticity, multiplication, scripture. That's a good look you've got there. She's like, you know, you're like, yes, we get it. (laughs) You got me. That's great. All right, so uh, if you didn't get it, now you feel dumb. I'm sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Me and her, we, we got it right there. All right, so we value teams, me and her. That's really good. Uh, that's not right grammar, is it? She and I, I don't know, whatever. Hey, we're authentic, man. <laughs> we value teams. As Paul so aptly put it, First Corinthians 12, 14, for the body is not one member, but many. And of course, you know, there's a whole passage there that we could use. I'm not going to spend much time on 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 this Particular value, but I want to say that I hope nobody does a single thing on behalf of this church as a Lone Ranger. We want to go out by twos at the very least because with two, if one falls into a pit, the other can help him out. Even better, we go out as threes because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. The body is not one member, but many. So hear me form a team to do what needs to be done. Even if it's just a husband and wife, or brothers and sister, or a couple of friends, or whatever, just don't do anything yourself. Form a team. At Go Church, we value teams. This also does get into my philosophy of leadership a little bit. If you lead a team here, you lead the team. Uh, I don't try to lead it. I lead you. And one other thing, I'm I'm huge on division of labor. Um, It's part of what I mean by this core value. So hear me. I like distinctive teams with distinctive responsibilities that avoid overlap. This is very nuts and bolts here for a minute. Just bear with me. This is about efficiency and organization. This means you may not always know what the other teams are doing. There are a lot of things. Well, I just can't keep everybody informed all the, all the time about everything going on. I'm not good at that anyway. I don't know. Maybe Tully can do some of that. And, but this means you're not always going to know what's going on around here. I'm not that worried about bringing it all back together to the whole. Maybe the right hand doesn't always know what the left hand is doing around here, and perhaps that is a weakness in some way, but it can also be a strength because the left hand can't criticize the right hand when it's too busy doing what it's supposed to be doing. Enough about that. Just know that I like to put a team over an area and let it run. I don't (laughs) micromanage. I enable and empower and expect a lot. I give out responsibility and, and, and move on to something else, assuming it will be done. That's just some insight into my leadership style. It's, it has strengths and weaknesses, uh, but that's honestly the way I roll. By the way, we have quite a few teams started already, and some of them could use your help if you aren't on one already. Feel free to let us know about your gifts, your passions, areas you really care about, and we will see if there's a team that needs your help. Basically, I'm to wrap up at this point. I just want to say I'm so excited about the Fergusons as you should have seen I announced it in several different ways Uh, we offered they accepted Uh, they will be coming to uh, he's going to come and be our our family life pastor um, bringing his beautiful family his wife Michelle his kids whose names I should know but don't have them yet I think they're what are they seven five and three Uh, and they are in the process of packing and uh, have turned in their resignation where they are and all that and hoping to get here uh, the middle of August. Um, we'll give them a couple weeks to get settled in before they really have a lot of responsibility, but we'll start seeing them on Sundays, probably the last couple Sunday on uh, Sundays of August. And, um, you know, uh, I've mentioned it. What are they going to be doing? Um, a lot of it is just being themselves because they bring so much uh, and everything they're involved in is just going to be better. But he is leading our children's ministry and making, taking help, work towards taking it to other levels, uh, and uh, taking it over for my wife, who has done it as a labor of love for now for over a year, uh, counting the core group time, and uh, she is really excited to be able to be freed up to do more with women's ministry and just be a pastor's wife and and not be always like she's in there again today. So Tully will be taking that over, but also then the second thing, will be getting share groups going and helping provide leadership for that, and then connections, which is basically from the parking lot to after they've left, okay? It's everything from greeters to uh, following up with people after they visit here, and so those kinds of things, and there's a couple other things, but he's he's... I, I just hope you guys, I, most people don't know that much about church planning to, to be blown away as I am that we already are going to be able to have two full-time pastors. Most church plants don't even have one full-time pastor. Usually it's bivocational. Our church has been so blessed that we're right off the bat, we're here, we're having two full-time pastors. So uh, I just think that's a sign of great things. God has a big plan and a big vision. And uh, I'll talk more about that next week. I'm so excited about everything that God is doing, you know, I mean, it feels like kind of post-Christmas for me right now, after the barbecue and the July 4th thing, and you know, we were just pushing, pushing, it's such an amazing time at the barbecue, baptizing 10 with 160 people there, so just fun, just connections, it's so positive, so good, and then it's just like, okay, summer hit, right, it's, when we need that, we need seasons, we need ups, we need the, the down times, but... Definitely kind of weird for me, but I keep waiting for us to have like three people here because the summertime, you know, that will, I thought that would happen, but we keep having pretty good crowds even in the summer. I can't wait for the fall. I mean, I just think we're going to, you know, anyway, God is just at work. um, And, uh, you know, I think I'll just ask a question if, if you, uh, if you would affirm, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and write your name down. So don't just raise your hand because you think you're supposed to. If you would affirm that God has worked in your life and in your heart, and some that some transformation has happened since you started coming to this church. Now, some of them here the first time and everything. But if if you've been here a while, and and you've seen that transformation happen in your life in one way or another, just raise your hand. Just be encouraging to me. I, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, God is here. God is at work. We don't want to take that for granted. Amen? Because... I don't know about you, but I've been in some churches where I'm not sure that was really, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? So thank you, Jesus, for blessing this and for being here with us. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www. GoChurchPNW.com You can also connect with GoChurch on Facebook and Instagram.